Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash. Hmm, you can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of Hefty Large Black Bags. It's the NBA DFS Strategy Show on Awesomeo.com. I'm Ryan, joined alongside Adam Ship, my money DFS. Going to be talking about this Saturday nine-game slate. Uh, we're coming off a Christmas Day slate where we saw tons of chalk bust all over the face. And additionally, the likes of Zion and Kyrie Irving and Nicholas Batum taking contest uh, lineups to the top of, top of the contest last night. Adam, how was your Christmas and how did DFS go for you? Yeah, two very different answers. Uh, Christmas was good. DFS was awful. Yeah, it, like you said, just it, it was really hard to avoid having, you know, a couple snowflakes in your lineups because there was just no shortage of of what I thought were good plays that did terribly. So I think I saw a tweet earlier that one 150 maxer on DraftKings made money yesterday. So um, sounds about right to me just because of, you know, all the, the popular plays doing poorly pretty much. A uh, really good day to have been a really, really contrarian tournament player, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And like... It's just uh, the nature of NBA DFS at times, and it just happened to happen on the Christmas Day slate. And the blowouts didn't help. They were all all five games were blowouts from pretty much, I want to say, from the second quarter onwards in most games, and uh, except, except the Boston and uh, Brooklyn game that flew out in the second half. But those blowouts didn't help. Golden State just looks awful out there, and it just was like not helpful for those, especially high priced players. And when you, your team gets blown out, so. We got a nine game slate to talk about. Uh, I think we should get right to it. Uh, so we'll start off on it. We'll go game by game today. And the first game we'll talk about, we'll go OKC and Charlotte. OKC missed out on their first game. Thanks to James Harden being, uh, having a little too much fun. And while Charlotte was on uh, the first game was led by the likes of Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. Terry Rozier on the opening night was priced at 4,600 on FanDuel. His price has now gone up. But on, on opening night, players who I was really interested in targeting on the OKC side of things was SGA. And as gross as it sounded, I was interested in Al Horford. Um, SGA today is priced at 8300 uh, Al Horford is priced at 6100 on DraftKings. We'll start on the OKC side of things, Adam. How, uh, how do you think OKC is going to handle their offense this year? It's a brand new coach and uh, pretty much a brand new roster outside of SGA. Uh, it's going to be interesting what the coach does with the rotations and whatnot, but I, I think they're going to rely on SGA and Al Horford to start off their season. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I don't really see how this offense doesn't run through SGA. You know, he, he was a productive player last year that averaged about a fantasy point per minute. And then now you take essentially every other high usage guy that was on that team and send them elsewhere with Chris Paul gone, with Schroeder gone, with Gallinari gone. Uh, you know, none of these guys are there anymore to, to compete with Gilgis Alexander for touches. So I think that normally you would expect there to be a drop-off in efficiency when a player is going to be handling so much more of the offensive workload, but that's made up for by increased attempts, you know, increased shot attempts, increased assist opportunities. Gilgis Alexander, I think, should be a really good DFS player in general this year. His salary, like you said, is already pretty expensive at 8300 He burned people a lot in the preseason. I don't know if that will make them shy away today or not. We saw him basically just sit the second half of every game. Um, but, you know, now it's the regular season. I fully expect him to be getting mid-30s in minutes. He should average well over a fantasy point per minute. So I think he looks really good. And then I'm with you on Horford. You know, as gross as it sounds, because he was so disappointing with Philadelphia last year, I thought it was interesting when I dug into the Oklahoma City game the first time. Um, he still averaged about 1.07 DraftKings points per minute when he played center last year. A lot of his disappointing production came playing alongside Joel Embiid, and that obviously won't be the case here. And then he'll benefit again from, you know, the only other high-usage guy on this offense is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So you should get more touches for Horford than he got in Philadelphia as well. I think that we kind of just need to ignore what happened last year. Ignore whatever your takes are on whether or not Horford's a good NBA player or his contract or any of that, because it doesn't matter. He's essentially the second option on this offense, and he should be, um, I, I think, a lot more productive than last season. Yes, and if you were to take out that Philly year uh, for Horford, it was awful, and there's no denying that. But he's been a very good fantasy player up until last year. So he's priced at 6100 on FanDuel as well. Um, he does have center eligible. Uh, he's centered over there. Uh, Darius Basley is someone who is, I think, going to be in the starting lineup, and he's going to play a much bigger role this year. He's 5K on FanDuel, and he is, I believe, also in that 5K price 5, range. Yeah, 5,100 on DraftKings. Another option for OKC is George Hill. He's priced all the way down at 3,400 on DraftKings, but he's 5K on FanDuel. 3,400 is where I'm going to be targeting George Hill. I know George Hill is not an enticing name by no, uh, by any means, but at that price tag where sometimes you're going to have to dig for value, he does unfortunately take up one of those guard positions, but I don't mind 3,400 on George Hill. What's your secondary option? Uh, what, what's your opinion on the secondary options on the OKC side of things? Yeah, I think there's a couple of value guys you can look to here. George uh, George Hill in particular being one of them at 3,400 on DraftKings. Not interested at 5K on FanDuel, but you should get probably 25, 26 minutes from Hill. With Milwaukee last year, he averaged 0.89 DraftKings points per minute. So he's still, he, he's, you know, he's not the most exciting name, but he does produce at a, a pretty solid rate when he's on the floor. And he should have a more solid role this year than he had last year. Uh, you mentioned Darius Baisley. I think that he's someone that we saw at times last year have really big games. And at least for me, it was frustrating at times because he would significantly outperform his averages in those games. I'm interested to see kind of what happens this year, whether his usage goes up, whether his per minute production goes up because last year he only averaged about 0.75 DraftKings points per minute. But like I said, you saw him run into some really big games. So having fewer mouths to feed on this Oklahoma city team, I think maybe you see him take a step forward still at his salary, more of like a secondary play for me. Um, and then the other guy that I would mention is um, Pokachevsky who is 3,300 on draft uh, on draft 3,500 at power forward on FanDuel don't really know what his playing time will look like since this is their first game don't really know what his production will look like since it's his first game but 
he should be a pretty solid offensive player. And if he can get into the low twenties in minutes, and, and there certainly are minutes available on this team. Um, he is someone that I think probably ends up being priced in like the 4,200 to $4,500 range than close to minimum salary. Yeah. And he's one of those intriguing young players that uh, I've been taking a look at as well. And the thing with these young players, I like, especially when you're uh, making multiple lineups, I like taking shots at them uh, in limited quantities, just because like we, a lot of the field doesn't know. And like, it's always nice to be being ahead of the field and young players like him as well. Any final thoughts on the uh, OKC side of things before we move on to the Charlotte side of things? No, that's all I got from OKC. All right. For what it's worth, this game total is checking in at 216 and a half. It's one of the lower totals on the day. So for what that's worth, keep that in mind. On to the Charlotte side of things we go. Uh, on FanDuel, uh, first of all, Cody Zeller fractured his hand. He is going to be out. Um, so expect Bismarck Biombo to uh, take a majority of those minutes, in my opinion. And additionally, maybe some P.J. Washington minutes get sprinkled to the five as well. But on Charlotte, uh, they played against Cleveland, and they were pretty much getting blown out the whole way. But there were some high, high scorers on their team. Gordon Hayward priced at 7300 on DraftKings. Uh, Terry Rozier is priced at seven k. Devontae Graham at 6700 and P.J. Washington's at 5 k And on to Biombo, who's probably going to be a popular value option just because of people hearing Zeller is out. He's at 3600 uh, what do you expect uh, Borrego to do with the center rotation? Zeller has been always uh, has kind of injury prone over the past couple of years. Biombo has been who Borrego went to last year. Do you expect him to do the same or do you expect maybe potential more minutes for PJ Washington at the yeah, I, th- I think both. Um, Biombo started 29 games last year. He averaged 24 minutes per game in those starts. I think that penciling him for penciling him in for something similar today makes a lot of sense. And with his salary where it is, it makes him a good value, especially on DraftKings. You do want to keep in mind on FanDuel that even though he's a good value at 3,800, you can only roster one center. So the opportunity cost there is really high. You'll want to make sure that if you are taking the, the solid point per dollar production from Biombo, that you're kind of maximizing the upside of players elsewhere in your lineup. But on DraftKings, you can roster two centers and with multi-position eligibility, you can often, you can often roster more than two. So uh, lower opportunity cost there. If you're getting around 24 minutes from Biombo, he should be able to pay off a $3,600 salary. But it does make P.J. Washington more interesting as well because we saw him play – we, we saw him get center minutes in the preseason. We saw it at times last year too. Um, he's more productive as pretty much everyone is in that situation. So not only does it open the door potentially for Washington to play more minutes in general, but it also opens the door for those for some of those minutes to be more productive. He's still really cheap as well, only 5K on DraftKings, 5,300 on FanDuel. I think that he's someone that should benefit from Zeller being out. Yeah, and speaking of pricing uh, differences, Devontae Graham's 5,400 shooting guard position <laughs> on FanDuel. So it's really important, especially early on in the season, if you're playing across multiple sites, it's target your players by the site. And that's how I kind of get my exposure to different players on the slate, depending on matchup. But I like that price tag at 5,400. Thoughts on Terry Rozier. He went from 4,600 to 6,400. He put up a monster, monster game on the opening night for the Hornets. And Terry Rozier is one of those guys who's really frustrating to play in DFS because he's been so inconsistent. And I just didn't know what Borrego was going to do with the addition of Lamella Ball, if he was going to lose some minutes or whatnot. Is Terry here someone you're just going to be purely avoiding because of recency bias, or you think what he did on opening night is certainly real? I, I don't expect him to hit 10 three-pointers in a game the rest of the season. <laughs> so opening night, like looking at the rotation is really interesting because 
if you just look at how many minutes Rozier played, he played 37 and a half minutes. So I think there is probably a tendency to say, you know, yeah, I know he's not going to make 10 threes, but if this guy's going to play 37 or 38 minutes, he still looks really, really good. The issue I have is that in the first half, Rozier played like 14 minutes. He played an eight minute stint to, in the first quarter. He played about six and a half minutes in the second quarter. So he was on pace to play like 29, 30 minutes. And then in the second half, he just started going nuts from three and played almost the entire second half. He sat for the final minute of the third quarter. And that was the only time he touched the bench that entire half. So what happens when Terry Rozier is not making every shot that he takes? You know, do we get closer? Do, do we get that first half rotation in the second half as well? And now you're paying an elevated price point for a guy playing 32 minutes. You know, I, I think that it's nice that we saw that when he plays well, he'll get more minutes. But I, I don't want to pay an elevated price point for a guy just because he he played really well and he got more minutes as a result of it. I still think that projecting Rozier somewhere in that like 32 minute range is probably where we should be. And that makes me not really that interested on DraftKings. On FanDuel, he looks a little bit better at 6,400, but still more of a secondary play. Whereas you can get Devontae Graham for a thousand dollars less there. Like you said. The minutes I saw and onto Cleveland and Detroit, we go. Do you have any uh, final thoughts on, uh, the Charlotte side before we go to Cleveland, Detroit. Um, Gordon Hayward played 36 minutes, which was, I think, of note just because he's playing with the broken finger, I believe it is. So there was some concern about if he'd be ready and then how much he'd play. He's not at a, a really particularly appealing price point. He's 7,300 on DraftKings, 72 on FanDuel. But I, I do think it's at least a good sign that we got 36 minutes out of him. Yeah, and for those who are new to the channel and joining us for the first time, and if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, please hit that subscribe button. Your support is greatly appreciated as we strive to hit 50K as soon as possible. Thanks so much for your support throughout 2020 and this holiday season. Uh, Cleveland Detroit checks in at a 214.5 total right now from what I'm taking a look at. And uh, opening night, Larry Dance came out and uh, took the FanDuel chalk to the promised land that night. Larry Nance is all the way priced up at, he went up to 7K on FanDuel and on DraftKings as it opens up. Nance is priced up at 6,800. And uh, I expect Kevin Love to be back in the rotation um, based off what I had seen some earlier news in the week. I need to follow up on that. But other Cleveland options, you have 9,200 Andre Drummond, who's pretty much a lock or a double-double. Every night he touches the floor. Uh, touches the floor. He's 8,400 on FanDuel. Uh, Drummond is always an option uh, just because he just can raise the floor of your lineup, which is sometimes really important in depending on the number of lineups you're building. And other value options you can take a look at are Isaac Okora, 3,900. And he's also, I believe, in the 3K price range. 4,400. 4,400 on DK. Uh, talk to me about Cleveland. Uh, what, what's your opinion on Drummond and Kevin Love being back and Larry Nance? Yeah, so we, we still have Love questionable as of the injury report last night. I haven't seen if that was um, updated since then, but th that does obviously make a big difference, not only for Nance. I mean, if Love is back, Nance is just not even in the conversation, but also you do expect the rebounding numbers for Drummond to take a bit of a hit if he's playing alongside um, Kevin Love. But if Love is out, it, it still puts Nance in play. The thing I'd be concerned about with Nance, not only you know did his salary increase, but um, he's he, he obviously had a monster game and that's, you know, it's obviously in his range of outcomes, but with um, Drummond and with JaVale McGee being on this team, you're not really getting any center minutes for Larry Nance. It's not like last year when love was out at times you would see uh, Nance start alongside Tristan Thompson, and then they'd have their minutes staggered and Nance would play backup center. That's not happening this year. So the, 
rebounding numbers will be a bit tougher for him to come by playing alongside of Drummond and or, or playing alongside Drummond or McGee for all of his minutes. So that's something to keep in mind as the price elevates. Um, Drummond, you know, like I said, is more appealing if Love is out, but he, he'll still be a strong play even if Love is in. And that floor is really important, like you said, because not only does he come with a, a pretty solid floor where he's really unlikely to kill you because he's going to at least get like 10 and 10 or something, but he has a- This episode is made possible by PWC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Monster ceiling as well. This guy picks up steals, he picks up blocks. Excuse me, when he's not in foul trouble, he's, you know, a 2020 candidate any given night. So you're getting a really high ceiling there as well. Don't be concerned about his minutes in the first game. He was in foul trouble pretty early in that one, picked up two fouls in the first five minutes of the game. So saw some limited action in the first half, only finished at 27 minutes. I fully expect mid-30s run from him when he's not in foul trouble. So I think Drummond looks really good. I'm with you on Isaac Okoro being a, a reasonable value option. He was their first round pick this year. Not expected to be a great offensive player, at least right out of the gate, but did play big minutes in the preseason, played 34 minutes in their first game. Anytime you can get that much run for someone at, you know, a, four, a salary around $4,000, there's some value there. Yeah. And uh, did I mention this is an Andre Drummond revenge game <laughs> at Detroit? So uh, keep that in mind. He was pretty salty that he had gotten traded. I I live in the uh, Detroit suburbs, so everyone was talking about that. It'll be interesting to see what he does against Detroit uh, in the revenge aspect as well. In addition to keep in mind, Dylan Windler and Dean Wade did get injured in that uh, in that game opening night. So there are some extra minutes to be floated around. But Kevin Love, if he's back, it's going to put a damper on the rest of the team because he's going to soak up some usage from the likes of Darius Garland, who was great opening night. His price has gone up to 5600 on DraftKings, and I believe he's also that same price, like 5500 on FanDuel. And the, he was he – was, very favorably priced on opening night. So uh, outside of Drummond, and it's all going to come down to the Kevin Love news. So make sure to be following the awesome NBA account to keep track of news around the association. Uh, Then I'll be making my decision on Cleveland. Any final thoughts on Cleveland before we go to the Detroit side of things? Um, Sexton's kind of always a decent tournament option just because he plays big minutes and he's good at scoring. But I don't think the salary is like particularly favorable in in cash or as, you know, a a, a top-end player on the slate. Yeah. And uh, on to Detroit we go. Um, Blake Griffin uh, leads the way in salary there on DK, priced up at 7100 Mason Plumley has got, seen a price raise uh, to 4800 there. Jeremy Grant, uh, 5200 This Detroit team is like has these like solid, solid role players. Blake Griffin's pretty much washed at this point. Other options on FanDuel, Blake Griffin's down at 6600 and I believe Jeremy Grant's 5100 These are a couple prices that stand out to me. Even DeLon Wright, priced at 3900 if he's going to get additional run in the starting rotation, which would be nice. But we saw Josh Jackson soak up quite a bit of minutes in that opening night. Detroit's just a strange, strange uh, rotation to uh, gauge out just because uh, Dwayne Casey, I don't know what he's going to do on most nights. And going back to his Toronto days, he's been a little fluky with rotations at times. But talk to me about Detroit. Uh, I, I kind of like Mason Plumlee at 4800 if he's going to come in at lower ownership today. 
Yeah, I mean, Detroit, I think, is just going to be a tough team in general to target in DFS because they're not a really well-constructed team in terms of anything. Uh, they spent their entire offseason signing centers, and they just – I mean, Jeremy Grant's going to be one of their highest usage guys, and it's great for Jeremy Grant. Cool, he's getting that opportunity, but he's not a good scorer. So, um, it, like, he's someone that I expect to – be a problem for me this season because he'll be low owned because he's not very good at scoring, but I'm just going to be like, Oh, this guy has a 27% usage rate. I'll take my chances. And then normally it's not going to work. Um, you're kind of going to run into that problem with a lot of guys on Detroit. Like Grant has opportunity. Killian Hayes only played 21 minutes, but he's someone that'll have a, a sizable role in his first year. He's going to be inconsistent though. You would expect um, I- I'm with you on Plumley as a, a reasonable option. We got 32 minutes from him in the opener, which was a pleasant surprise. I thought that he- we would get closer to like 25 or 26, so it's nice to see that that's in the cards for him if he's playing well. I think that is a spot you can go to. Um, Derek Rose is kind of interesting to me off the bench. He played twenty. He played just shy of twenty-seven minutes in the opener. He's sixty-six hundred on DraftKings and fifty-eight hundred on Fanduel. So the price is a lot more appealing on Fanduel, but. This is someone that averaged like 1.2 DraftKings points per minute last year in that same role. He's going to dominate usage off the bench. The only issue is the playing time, but that kind of keeps the salary down a little bit. And this is someone that can very easily go out there and throw up, you know, 35, 40 fantasy points in 26, 27 minutes. So I think that, you know, like looking at his price on FanDuel, you're going to get a ton of ownership going to Devontae Graham at 5,400, for example. And Graham is the better play, but Rose certainly has that same range of outcomes that Graham has at probably lower ownership. Yeah, and uh, I completely agree with you. You hit on all the good points. So Detroit's just one of those teams. It's uh, I'm gonna have to like take a look at in the first couple of weeks to get more confidence in rostering um, certain players outside of Jeremy Grant and uh, Derek Rose. Um, and that kind of wraps up that game for me. On to uh, Orlando and Washington we go. Uh, this game checks in at I believe at a two twenty and a half total. Orlando beat the Heat on opening night. They have one of the most consistent centers in the game, in Nikola Vucevic. And he's uh, constantly just expanding his range and being uh, hanging around the perimeter more and more as his career has progressed. Vooch comes in at 8,200 on FanDuel, and I believe he is at 9,100 on DK. Aaron Gordon was great opening night at 6,900. They kind of limited him all preseason long, and I uh, had a few lineups opening night, which ended up nice w- when he was in there. He's at 6,900. Markel Fultz is at 6K. That's kind of like their big three out there in, uh, in Orlando. I uh, I always like rostering Vooch, uh, similar to Drummond, always is very consistent, uh, can give you that floor, and also has a potential for a big ceiling against in this Washington matchup. What do you think of this uh, Orlando Big 3? I, I love Orlando here. I mean, the pricing on a lot of these guys isn't the best, and that's kind of the only negative. But Washington should be one of the most favorable teams to target this year because they're going to play really fast. They're not going to play that well defensively, although they did look better in their first game. And I do expect that they're better defensively this year than last year just because of, of Russell Westbrook bringing uh, – an extra level of effort and focus there. It, it's something that sounds dumb and feels dumb to say, but it, it really is a thing um, where Washington just kind of gets lazy and Westbrook will, will help with that. But still, they're going to play at a really fast pace. They're not going to be a great defensive team and they're going to be a good offensive team that's going to hang in games. So I, I don't anticipate a lot of, you know, Washington bl- getting blown out either. So it, it's a really appealing spot for Orlando. Vooch stands out in particular. 9,100 on DraftKings is fine. 8,200 on FanDuel is is very, very cheap. He's one of the guys that I think makes it really tough. I mentioned at the top, um, the opportunity cost on Biombo, even though he's a really good point per dollar play on FanDuel, you're probably sacrificing like 20 plus fantasy points going from Vooch to Biombo. So you'll have to make sure that you can make that up somewhere in your lineup. 
Um, just a really good spot in terms of rebounding, in terms of the ability to score for Vooch. Everything looks really, really good. Aaron Gordon only played 26 minutes in that opener after being limited in the preseason, like you said, but he was in foul trouble. He picked up uh, two fouls in the first half, and then he, he subbed out after his second foul, never came back, picked up his third and fourth fouls a minute into the third quarter, didn't come back till the fourth quarter. So his rotation looked like he was going to be playing normal minutes and getting up into that low to mid thirties range. It's a really good matchup for him in terms of a team that's going to let him get out and run. Um, he'll, you know, be able to get rebounds. He'll do stuff in transition. I think the the pace of the game should really benefit him. So at his price point, he doesn't look like someone that is going to grade out as like a top point per dollar play, but he certainly gives you a really high ceiling for that salary in tournaments. And then, I'd also take a look at Markel Fultz, who I expect to have a good year this year. He's about six, he's 6K on DraftKings. He's 5,900 on FanDuel. You got 20, about 29 minutes from him in the first game, lost about a minute and a half to fouls in the first half. But I think that he's another one that is priced pretty efficiently in terms of, of median outcome, but certainly can just kind of take over a game offensively. So to me, Vooch is the priority here. And then taking shots in tournaments at guys like Fultz and Gordon is, is pretty appealing. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm going to like Vooch quite a bit as we only talked about these first couple of games, but we'll see what other uh, options that come out later in the slate. But uh, in the definition of a GVP, Terrence Ross, um, he's an option for GVPs only in my opinion, but he obviously has an upside. He's just one of those guys who shoots off the bench and can get caught. On the Washington, Washington side we go. Uh, they are the... Um, led by Russell Westbrook, who got his triple-double. I got to commend him on that. So opening day, got his triple-double. And Thomas Bryant's only 5,200 on FanDuel. He's 6,700 on drafting. So, like, back to this pricing disparities on both sides. Troy Brown is only 4,300 on DK. Bradley Beal is 9,300. I really liked um, Westbrook going to the Wizards just because, like, I feel like he can be a better version of himself there. Uh, I feel like he can find open shooters in Beal and Bertans better than he did in – Houston, even though that offense was potentially well-suited for him. But uh, you're our resident Washington Wizards expert. I'm going to let you handle all the Wizards talk. (laughs) I I absolutely love this fit for Westbrook. Um, It's not a good matchup today in particular against Orlando, but I think he's going to be a fantasy monster this year. Um, Obviously in like, like in season long, it sucks because he's going to be benched in the second games of half, uh, second games of back-to-backs, but that doesn't matter. Obviously when we're talking about DFS and it's just a great fit. You, you have a Washington team. It's kind of similar to uh, the, the version of the Houston team that he dominated on last year. Like if you remember after Clint Capella was traded, he averaged, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me yet. It was about the same, if not more fantasy points per minute than James Harden. He, he was great uh his usage i know was higher than hardens when, when they played together at that point so uh, it's kind of the same fit here where you have a stretch five in thomas bryant who averaged seven three-pointers per 36 in the preseason he's not standing in there clogging the lane denny avdija can shoot davis bertans is one of the best shooters in the league beal can shoot there's there's nobody that is clogging the lane for westbrook he has shooters that'll convert his assists and on top of that the bigs don't rebound so um it's just going to be a uh, you know another season i think where westbrook is just triple doubling every game and obviously that's really solid from a fantasy standpoint the salary is already increased 10-3 on DraftKings, 10k on FanDuel, but i still think he's a, a reasonable option you know I, I don't know i i obviously haven't built cash lineups yet i don't know if i think he's like one of the best point per dollar plays, but in terms of ceiling and in terms of opportunity, I mean, there's no reason that you're not going to see a lot of 55, 60 fantasy point games out of Westbrook this year. Yeah. And Westbrook's just a, 
as much as anyone can hate him just because of his pure basketball play, he's always great to roster in fantasy basketball because he finds his way to almost pretty much certainly get you there in more, more nights than not. Is it, I, Westbrook does will affect Bradley Beal. Obviously, Beal was dominating all the ball handling duties last year. So I do expect Beal's assist rate or like obviously organically drop with the addition of Westbrook there and whatnot. So we'll see how Beal's and ends up doing fantasy wise. I feel like it's going to take a couple of weeks to just see how that transpires and how they both fit together. But opening night, I, I didn't mind that duo together. Uh, Westbrook did still continue to shoot pretty poorly, and I do expect him to shoot better from two. Well, we'll see. And hopefully he just eliminates the three from his from his game. It'll just be better for everyone involved. Yeah, and um, to, your, to your point about um, Beal, he was second on the team in potential assists in that opener, but Beal had nine potential assists. Westbrook led the team with 21. So um, I, I do expect the assist opportunities for Beal to decrease. I do, And I think you know his usage will come down from last year as well when it was at 34%. But he should also be more efficient playing alongside another player that defenses have to actually deal with as opposed to Ish Smith, Isaiah Thomas, and whoever hell, the hell else Washington had last year. Yeah, and I completely agree with you there. And I just think they're going to be a fun team to watch, so you can never uh, hate against that. Uh, one thing uh, that we still have running till uh, December 29th, you can get access to all Osmo NBA premium product using our promo code Caruso for $1. It is the best deal you'll see in the industry. You'll get access to all our tools powered by Alex. You'll get the coveted ownership projections, his rankings, our lineup builder, just so much of plethora of content just for a dollar. Try it out before we start off that new year, and we hope you enjoy the product and you're with us for the long haul. On to the next game we go, Philly uh, against New York. And if you guys remember, Ben Simmons did hit a three against Philly, uh, against New York last year. So maybe we get a repeat of that. But Simmons is priced at 9,700. Embiid is priced at 10-2. That's the Philly duo that I always like to target. And I don't. I will be targeting them once again. I like the matchup for them as well. Tobias Harris really stunk up the court last time on opening night. He's priced at 6,700, but he's one of those players who – can get open in this offense and potentially get there for you. At 6,700, I have a little bit more interest with that price dropping. Uh, let's talk about this Philly big three, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I like the price on Harris again. Um, he burned me really badly opening night, had a lot of him. Um, but, like, you have Simmons priced up, you have Embiid priced up, and it's not to say that they're too expensive for their ceilings, but I, I think they're priced up enough where they don't really look like optimal type plays for me like you're talking about paying eleven hundred dollars more on DraftKings for Embiid than for for Vooch I think it's sixteen hundred on FanDuel Simmons for example is only five hundred dollars less than Westbrook on DraftKings but then you have Harris coming in at sixty seven hundred someone that should play low to mid thirties in minutes he should get open looks like you said he was missing them all against Washington but he still was getting them um he's going to be a boomer bust type player he's not the type of guy that I love rostering in cash games I ended up with him in cash opening night and you know, it, it went how it went, but he's kind of, he, he doesn't give you a great floor because he is the third, uh, you're basically the third option on this team offensively. He's not going to out rebound Joel Embiid. So he kind of just is like a secondary stats guy in, in like every category, but he does still give you that really high ceiling for his salary because there's games. If, if he's shooting well, where he's just going to knock down so many shots that um, it doesn't really matter that he has a lower usage rate than Embiid. So um, somebody that I'll be happy to get to at 6,700. I think he's the most favorably priced guy from Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree with you. If I really price guy. Now, for me, outside of those big three, I'm going to find it tough to pay for the 5,400 South Curry on DK, and he's 4,500, I believe, on on FanDuel. Uh, outside of the big three in Philly, I don't have much interest on Philly. 
Any final thoughts on Philly before we jump to the New York side of things? No, not much else for me. Um, Shake Milton played really well in the opener, but his his salary came up. Dwight Howard's up to almost 4K. I, I don't really have much outside of the big three. Yeah, I like Embiid at 9,800 just because we know what Embiid's ceiling can be on uh, FanDuel. So he's a fine, fine option there. He'll be taking on Mitchell Robinson, who uh, finally got the start for, in New York. And, I, and the problem with Mitchell Robinson is he just can't keep his hands to himself. But at 50. 50- it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 400. He's just one of those guys on Fanduel, especially. He just picks up so many blocks. He can get you there that, with blocks alone at times. But in New York, the New York, uh, RJ Barrett really showed out opening night. He went all the way up to 6,600. Alec Burks had a great game. Alec Burks is now too expensive for me at 5,600 on DK. Randall's at 7,500. He's one of those guys who will have a floor um, in this New York offense. But I, the, none of these prices really excite me by any means on New York. Uh, maybe Robinson at 5,400 and maybe Alfred Payton at 5,200 on FanDuel, but there's no one whose price that I really like on the Knicks side of things today, even though minutes are so secure with Thibodeau. Sorry there. Yeah, no, it's the same for me. And even like looking at their, their rotation against Indiana, it's a lot messier than I expected from Tibbs, especially after how the preseason went where he played everyone huge minutes. Like this almost, this is a rotation I would have expected in the preseason um, you did still get 36 minutes from Randall, though. I agree with you. The floor is nice. The salary is fine. Probably not like a priority for me, but someone that I'm more than happy to get in whatever lineups he ends up in just because I'm expecting big minutes. I'm expecting him to, to have a big role here. Peyton at his price point is someone you can certainly take shots at in tournaments. Um, it is worth noting. I'm double checking now, but I believe quickly is. Yeah, quickly is doubtful for this game. Austin Rivers still out. Obi Toppin's doubtful. So they are missing some bodies now as well. Um, Toppin played 24 minutes in the opener, quickly played 12 minutes in the first half, didn't play in the second half. So maybe, you know, a little bit more run for Peyton without quickly maybe helps. Well, I mean, Randall's minutes are already solid, but um, a, a little bit shorter rotation probably for the Knicks, which is nice. I don't mind taking shots on Peyton in tournaments just because we know that his floor is non-existent but he also can go out there and triple double in 32 minutes and at especially on FanDuel um 5200 that's a pretty nice ceiling Robinson is is interesting because like you said the the floor again just not existent because he fouls so much he's also going up against Joel Embiid which certainly doesn't do him any favors in that category but um if he does somehow manage to not foul Joel Embiid and play 30 minutes, he's going to be a great play at 5,400. So not someone like, I think I would just rather be going to either Biombo or Vooch probably in, in cash games, depending on how the rest of the build looks, which price tier I can get to, but certainly taking on that upside in tournaments on Robinson makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, I, I, that upside is what uh, you're looking for in uh, Robinson. And obviously, when you're rostering Robinson, just know he's foul prone and he can definitely pick up those fouls in a hurry. Um, on to Indiana and Chicago we go. Indiana and Chicago's total is coming in at 221.5. Indiana was led by Demodis Sabonis, who came out bonkers opening night, put up a monster, monster performance. He's got his price up at 8,500. Malcolm Brogdon, who was very solid as well, is at 7,400. MVP of the bubble, DJ Warren, is at 6,200. And Oladipo, still isn't just the same player as he was before that injury, is at 6,800. These are just all solid players, and Indiana has a new coach this year. And I like potentially targeting Sabonis again, as ridiculous as that price is at 8,500. We saw that floor, but I'm going to be checking the ownership, what he comes in at. Uh, Sabonis was really solid, and Miles Turner is just like, just stands out there. He doesn't fit in this offense. I expect him to get traded at some point this year. I like Sabonis quite a bit, and I like Brogdon quite a bit as well. Uh, Outside of those two, how does Indiana look for you? Yeah, I don't see much outside of those guys, but I'm with you on them, especially Sabonis. It's it's a price point that when you first look at it, it's just like, man, that's that's a tough price. But if you actually look at the numbers for Sabonis, like the rate he produces at, the minutes he plays, there's no real reason not to – still be there at at that price point he's also playing backup center which is very very beneficial for him that's something that we see every season whenever miles turner is out you see sabonis's rate skyrocket um he was having his minutes staggered in the opener with turner so uh turner played 28 minutes which means that about 20 of sabonis's 37 minutes were at center which is really really good for him so i still think 8500 is a perfectly fine price point for sabonis 7400 for brogdon is fine you do run into some you run into i think a bit more opportunity cost at point guard than you do at power forward so that's a little bit of an issue for brogdon but um, those are really where I'm I'm sticking with this team like turner is always someone you can look to in tournaments because he he does have a nice ceiling but he just kind of gets lost in the shuffle at center. Like if I'm going to a mid-range center that I have no confidence in, but has a high ceiling, I'd rather just go to Mitchell Robinson, for example. Yeah. Uh, it's um, I'm going to look at maybe TJ Warren on FanDuel at uh, small forward. We have to roster two in Oladipo. I'm for me to get more confidence in him. I just need him to have an old vintage Oladipo game before I go back there again. On to Chicago, we go. Chicago was heavy, heavy, mega chalk on opening night. Some got there, some didn't. Zach Levine's priced at 8900 on DK, followed by Kobe White at 6900 Wendell Carter put up a dud of a performance. He's got the price up at 5100 Laurie Markin's up at 6400 We see all these prices have uh, gone up on DK specifically for Chicago. But there's going to be a couple of these Chicago players that are going to be pretty solid, even though this matchup is – Okay, it's going to be better than most with the new coach in Indiana. I like I like the pace Chicago is playing at. I know they played Atlanta the first game, but Levine has an upside. Kobe White, I think, is a player that I'm going to – I think Billy Donovan's going to accelerate his game and extend his name to another level like he did with SGA last year. So I want to be on early on Kobe White before that price tag gets up, but it's already kind of getting up there at 6,900. Uh, what do you think about Levine and White and the rest of the Bulls? 
Yeah, pretty crazy pricing discrepancies between DraftKings and FanDuel here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, opening night, you kind of saw the Bulls as the entire team, as an entire team be underpriced. Now DraftKings just jacked up their prices where, you know, like, the, yeah, Levine has tournament upside at 8,900, Markkinen at 6,400, Kobe at, at 6,900. Like they all can do well at that salary, but the likelihood is that they won't and that they're pretty much priced where they should be. Um, Wendell Carter is still interesting to me at 5,100 on DraftKings. Only has center eligibility. Uh, I believe he had power forward eligibility opening night I could be wrong but if he did he lost it um he last year he averaged 0.92 DraftKings points per minute he was awful in the opener but he still played 26 minutes and could have played a little bit more had the game been competitive so I still think you're looking at like 30 minutes 28 30 minutes from him when he's not in foul trouble at 5,100, I still think that's a pretty good price point, but where they're really interesting is FanDuel where Levine's only 7,500. I think he has a monster year this year and that price point is, is just too cheap. Um, you have Carter at 4,900, but again, you have that ridiculous opportunity cost at center. One thing to point out is that Patrick Williams, his salary came up. He's 4,500 on DraftKings. He's 4,500 on, on DK after being 3K um, opening night. He had a really good game opening night, but a lot of that came in garbage time. Um, he had, five, I think, five points and four rebounds in his fourth quarter stint. Um, other than that, he was having like a pretty decent game for a 3K player, but not a game that would really warrant a price jump to 4,500. I'm also not sure that he regularly plays 34 minutes, but still someone that, you know, if you're playing a bunch of lineups, you can use as a value guy, but I'm a little hesitant that this is someone that's going to be touching 30 fantasy points every night. Yeah. I, uh, Patrick Williams definitely got there in garbage time and it was nice for, for those lineups uh, at have at 3k, but I don't expect garbage time to be like, like all like always happening and him doing performing that well in that as well. And he's going to be sharing the court often with Levine, White, Markkinen. So I, I think 4,500 right now is way too high for me with Patrick Williams. He does look like a promising talent. He's a rookie. I expect him to get quite a bit of run throughout the regular season. But at that price, I'm not that interested whatsoever. On to Toronto and San Antonio. Uh, this total is coming in at 225. Uh, San Antonio played great against Memphis uh, opening night. And... They were led by DeMar DeRozan at 8,300 on FanDuel. Aldridge is at 7K. DeJounte Murray at 6,900. That's kind of their big three over there. And while De- uh, DeMar's at 8K, Aldridge is at 69, and DeJounte's at 6'4 on DK, I always have interest in this uh, San Antonio team just because I feel like the field always thinks San Antonio plays slow, methodical, and whatnot, and it's kind of changed uh, in, recent, in recent times. I like that big three quite a bit, and I'm going to have interest in all all three of those guys. I know the matchup is not the greatest against Toronto, but I like I, I like Demar. Anytime he's going to go up against Toronto, he does have, play with this chip on his shoulder when he plays Toronto. What do you think of the Spurs' big three? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the Spurs in general. Like, even still for me, whenever I see that I'm getting a lot of San Antonio guys, I don't feel very good about it because I still think of like the traditional Spurs, but it's not the same team anymore. And you know, they, they do they, they are a more um, attractive DFS target than they they normally have been in, in previous years. So I think the Rosen's fine at 8K. Murray still looks pretty decent at 6,400. You saw in the opener, Murray played 30 minutes. DeRozan played 35. It is a tough matchup. Um, I don't think either one's like a huge priority for me, but I do think that they're cheap enough where I'll, I'll, I'll be getting to them um, in tournaments, you know, behind some other guys. Aldridge salary is fine as well. Um, he's a center on center only on DraftKings, which makes it really difficult 
to to get to him because of the opportunity cost. But power forward on FanDuel at 7K, I think looks really good. And then you actually have a pretty decent salary on Keldon Johnson on FanDuel as well. He's he's 4,600 there compared to 5K on DraftKings. Played 32 minutes in the opener. He's going to not be, you know, a particularly high usage guy playing alongside Aldridge, DeRozan, and Murray. Kind of similar to like we just talked about with Patrick Williams. But um, he has a $4,600 small forward option on FanDuel. Yeah, uh, Kelvin Johnson, for those who don't know, he's a, um, I think, a very talented player. He showed out in the bubble quite a bit. And at 4,600 on small forward, I completely agree with you. Where you get the roster, too, he makes for a fine option there. Any final thoughts on Spurs before we jump on to the Toronto side of things? No, pretty much just, like, I think good secondary plays. Like, guys that won't probably won't be at the top of my exposures, but that'll just be sort of, you know, mixed in the lineups with a decent frequency because they have a pretty good ceiling at their salaries. Yeah, I do think one of those big three on most of these nights when the Spurs will play, they will hit some sort of ceiling. That's what I'm thinking of the Spurs team now. And so, granted, we've only been a four, four days into the NBA season, but they're a team that's interesting. I don't know what their season outlook looks like just because of the West, how competitive it is. But on to Toronto we go. Siakam's at 8,200 there, uh, power forward only on DK. Kyle Lowry, 7,600. Van Vliet, 7,300. They're kind of all priced up. OG Ananobi's at 54 on DK. They're all very expensive. I, I, as you can hear it in my voice, I, I don't feel too confident looking at those prices on DraftKings right now. What's, uh, what do you think of the uh, Raptors uh, and those three specific players? Feels like the theme of this show is the DraftKings uh, NBA pricing is really tight so far this year. Um, and, and we're seeing it again today. Alex and I had talked about it some yesterday, but uh, yeah, more of the same here. I do think that there's a couple decent values on Toronto. Aaron Baines is at 4,200 uh, on DraftKings and you do run into the opportunity cost problem. But like we had said, when we talked about Biombo, it's a bit lower on DraftKings since you can roster multiple centers. And also the, the actual value matters a little bit more on DraftKings since there's so many players that are not at, um, favorable price points. Like on FanDuel, the opportunity cost starts to matter more because you can find good values at every single position, which isn't really the case on DraftKings. Baines played 28 minutes in the opener. He's only 4,200. I think he's a, a perfectly fine value here. Um, for, uh, Kyle Lowry played 39 minutes in the opener. We, we'd heard some rumblings that Toronto was going to look to take it easy on him early in the season. Thought maybe he'd play like 33, 34 minutes. 38 point like six minutes in the opener. So the guy that regularly leads the league in minutes played is, is at it again. He's only 7,600 on DraftKings. I think that looks like a really, really good price point for him. So him and, and Baines, I think look like the two guys that are the most favorably priced there, but 7,300 for Van Vliet, 8,200 for Siakam. Neither of those are, are bad price tags either. It's just like, I would rather get to $8,500 Sabonis than $8,200 Siakam, for example. On FanDuel, of course, the pricing across the board is, um, a little bit better. Um, not really interested in Baines there because of the opportunity cost, but 6,900 for Van Vliet's a really good salary. 7,800 for Siakam's a, a good salary as well. And then 5,200 for OG Ananobi at small forward. This is someone that can pick up blocks and steals and really help you out on FanDuel. Yeah, OG on small at small forward on FanDuel, I think you can definitely consider going there. He definitely secured the bag right before the season tipped off. So I think I like, I like really, really good too in a couple of years. Yeah, I think OG is someone who is very talented. I think on a different team, he'd be showing out. It's just that he's playing with some solid, solid players in Toronto. On a Minnesota and Utah, we go. This total checks in, I believe, at 227.5 right now. And Minnesota, obviously, uh, no other than Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell is their dynamic duo over there. 
And I'm going to always like Carl Anthony Towns at 10K just because of his ceiling. I know people might shy off of him playing against Rudy Gobert, but Cat just gets so much usage, especially on FanDuel where center's your only option. And it's really important to get center right there. And Cat's at 9,600 and Adilo's at 7,400 over there. I really don't like anyone else right now. Just looking at kind of like an aerial view in outside of Cat and Delo on this team. Everyone's pricing is pretty good. There's no really missed prices, really. I like Cat. I like D'Lo. Um, these two I'm definitely going to be targeting throughout the season. And Utah is not as slow as the team as people usually think. And I like Cat and D'Angelo a decent amount today. How about you, Adam? Yeah, same boat for me. Um, a couple of notes. Well, one note from the opener. We, we had Ricky Rubio start the game. Didn't start the second half. D'Angelo Russell was late getting the shoot around because of uh, COVID testing. So don't read into, you know, Rubio starting that game or anything like that. Uh, to your point about Cat with Gobert, I agree with you because, you know, not only do I just not really care that much about the matchups when you're going to get as much usage as Cat does, but it's not even a bad matchup for Cat. Like Gobert is a really good rim protector, but Towns is good at pulling guys away from the basket and and playing away from the basket. Um, I don't, you know, want to read too much into previous performances, but one spot where I will look at it at times is at center. And if you go and look at what Towns has done against Gobert in the past, he's put up some monster fantasy games, Um, at least 60 DraftKings points in three of his last five against Gobert, no fewer than 46 and a half in any of those games. So, you know, it, it, it all, like, it all makes sense. Kind of you expect Towns to have success in this spot. He has had success in the spot. I'm not concerned about the, the Gobert matchup at all. It's the, the only real knock on Towns is that he has to outscore Embiid and Vooch and others on the slate. But, you know, still, I think one of the better center options, really, really good if you can get to him. Russell's fine at 7,700 on DraftKings, uh, $7,400 shooting guard as well. More of a secondary option, whereas I expect to get to a pretty good amount of cat. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And the thing with Cat is he can outscore all those other uh, center studs as well. And I, I feel like we're going to get him at a night favorable ownership later in the uh, later into the day. Make sure to monitor those ownership projections. On to uh, Utah. Um, Minnesota, I think, is one of the piss poor defenses in the league. And I'm going to be excited to play guys like Mitchell, Gobert, and potentially Conley. But someone who I think is going to start playing better for this Utah team is McDonavich. McDonavich is 5,900 on uh, DraftKings, but I think he comes in at 4,700 on FanDuel on the power forward position. I like Mitchell at 7,700 shooting guard position on uh, FanDuel as well. He's going to be a decision, a choice between him and Levine. They're coming in at very similar price points. Uh, There's going to be a couple of these Utah guys that are going to be good, as we saw what Detroit did to Minnesota. I like like McDonavich, specifically on that FanDuel price, do you have any interest in Conley and Gobert or even Mitchell? A lot of interest in Gobert. You know, again, centers are really good position, but the mid-range is kind of lacking. Like you have value centers today. You have guys to pay up for. There haven't been a lot of mid-range centers that we feel good about, but I do really like Gobert here. Uh, you know, I mentioned that Towns has had a lot of success in this matchup, but so has Gobert. Uh, if you go back and look, you know, his recent games – against Towns, 20 points, 16 rebounds, 12 and 15, 16 and 14, 10 and 13, um, two blocks, five blocks, one block, two blocks, three blocks, five blocks. Like he's, he, he should do well here. He's cheap. Um, he, he only played 28 minutes in the opener, but we know that typically he's going to play more than that. And I, I don't see any reason why you're not expecting like 33, 34 minutes out of Gobert. So he's the, he's my favorite mid price center that we've talked about so far. I think, um, you know, as 
assuming I'm lumping Vooch into more expensive guys. Uh, I, so I really like Gobert. I'm with you on Mitchell, just basically competing with Zach Levine at that price point, but it is a good salary. And I'm with you on Bogdanovich. He's someone that seems to always get into my lineups and I see it and I don't feel really good about it, but he's a pretty good player. He's playing big minutes here. He gets open looks. Um, I, I think he kind of goes under the radar as far as like how actually good of an NBA player he is. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You know what's absolutely unacceptable? That we only have 93 likes. I'm going to have to channel my inner Josh Engelman here. And yeah, I'm going to have you hit that like button for us. It's Saturday morning. And hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't subscribed to us by now. Before we talk about this Portland and uh, Houston game where Houston's one of the most controversial teams leading up to the start of the regular season. That's all due to the beard James Harden. Probably said 10-9. And I think that's going to be too cheap because John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins are both in uh, self-isolating protocol, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Adam? Uh, do you have the list of players who are will be uh, self-isolating and missing this game today? Thank you. Yeah, so out for Houston. Clemens with his Achilles injury. Cousins is out. Gordon is out. Mason Jones, whatever that is, is out. Kenyon Martin is out. Ben McLemore is out. John Wall is out. So the, the important pieces here as far as usage goes – no John Wall, no Eric Gordon, no DeMarcus Cousins. And that's quite a bit of usage all left over for James Harden to take over on. I'm going to like James Harden quite a bit at 10-9. I know people are annoyed with what his antics. I'm not. I'm completely fine with what he's doing. He's just being him. I, I Pardon me there. I, I don't think it's right what he did in terms of parting and whatnot, but I think him requesting a trade is just fine. But at this price tag, in terms of DFS purposes, I'm going to be pretty excited uh, to take advantage of that. At only 11K, I know I'm saying only 11K, but I think his ceiling is through the roof against Portland. But the one thing Portland has done uh, to James Harden in the past, the way Terry Stotts guards him, he has done a really good job of just trapping him. So that's going to be interesting to uh, see what Stotts does this time around. And I'm going to be excited to roster Harden regardless. But that's something to keep in mind of how Stotts has guarded Harden in the past. Yeah, I think it's uh, a really good me, point. You yeah, know, it, it talk shows to me about Harden. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that is a good point about the, the defensive matchup. Like, not that Portland's a great defense, but they have had success against him. Um, going back, you know, games he's played against Lillard since the start of the 2018 season, the best game we've gotten from Harden is 57.8 DraftKings points. So that's, you know, worth knowing. It's not something that is going to keep him out of my lineups. If you look at, at Harden's production since the start of the 2018 season, he's played um, 1,720 minutes with none of Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, or Eric Gordon on the floor. He's averaged 1.82 DraftKings points per minute, 43.7% usage rate, 44.6% assist percentage. It's just, I mean, there's nobody else out here that's going to take shots away from him. And I don't really see any way to get to get away from him. Um, he'll, he'll be getting into a lot of my lineups. I mean, on DraftKings, I guess maybe it could be kind of tough because there's not a lot of really good value. But at the same time, it shouldn't be that difficult to get, you know, one 11K player into your lineup. On FanDuel, it'll be a lot easier since there is a lot of value. And then you also do have value coming from the rest of this team as well. You know, you have Sterling Brown at 3,200 on DraftKings, who should play 30-plus minutes here. Um, Daniel House is only 4,700. Bruno Caboclo is 3,700 and probably plays somewhere between, like, 25 and 30 minutes. So you can look to this team for value alongside Harden. That, that helps you get him in. Um, I, I don't have any reason not to go to Harden here. Yeah, and for some reason you're interested in fading Harden, you're obviously going to think some of the other Houston Rockets players are going to be good. 
I don't mind Eric Gordon. Um, if the, if Stotts draws up that he's defensive out. matchup, he's out. Eric Gordon's out. Oh, sorry, I missed that. And how about Christian Wood? Woods in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Christian Wood is also um, someone who I'd, I'd like to target at 5,900. We saw in the preseason what he could do. At 6,700 at power forward, he makes for a fine option there. So I like I like Harden and Wood both. And like you said, uh, now that you said Gordon's out, I'm, I'm even more interested in Harden. So there's going to be a ton of value. Um, one thing that you should pay attention to is the starting lineup. I think uh, you could maybe at least point to all the starters that they're going to get 32 minutes barring any fall, fall trouble, if not more. And you said there, I believe there will be nine active bodies on this team. Yeah, I believe it's so it's Harden, Wood, House, Brown, Caboclo, Tucker, Nawaba, Tate, and Bro- Broderick Thomas, I believe, are active. Okay, yeah. So, like, the NBA requires the Rockets to have at least nine, right? I believe that's the minimum. Uh, at least six, I think. At least six to play right now? It's, I thought it was... It's either six or eight. I don't remember. Okay. No, I think it's eight. You, you have to have yeah. at least eight. That's what you have. To, you have to dress at least eight guys. And in that opener, I think they had like six. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I think there could be a big uh, late swap edge if we figure out the starters for the Rockets. Yeah. My, my uh, guess so here is Harden, Wood, House, Tucker, and then probably Sterling Brown. Yeah. I'm going to like Sterling Brown quite a bit. He, uh, whenever he got those spot starts, when uh, Boone Holzer with Russ, everyone in Milwaukee, he put on quite a show. So I, I'm going to be interested in Sterling Brown a decent amount. There's going to be a ton of value. And uh, keep uh, pay attention to live before lock later in the day and how I believe Emac and Terry break down uh, the starting um, the minutes rotation over there in Houston. But Houston's going to be very important to the key to the slate. Uh, before we wrap up the show, we've got another game. But let's talk about Portland. Dame Willard, this whole Portland team was disappointing on uh, opening night, and they really let me down in some of my lineups. Uh, Lillard, McCollum, Derek Jones Jr., Covington, Nurk is, is who they roll out. Derek Jones Jr. is the minimum on Fanduel at 3,500. Nurkic is 7K. Lillard's a 9K. I'm going to have interest in Lillard, uh, Nurkic at 7K. I'm a little skeptical with what Stotts is doing with his minutes. Um, he limited, them, limited him all preseason, and obviously they got blown out. But I think uh, – it's a good good spot for Nurkic to bounce back. What's your opinion on uh, Lillard and Nurkic today? I like them both in tournaments. Um, I'm with you on the minutes for Nurkic. You know, obviously he lost playing time to the blowout last game, but he still only played like 12 and a half, 13 minutes in the first half. If you're getting like 26 to 27 minutes from Nurkic, he still can put up a really big game, but it, it puts him like a little bit behind Gobert for me amongst those mid-range centers. If we're wrong and he plays 30 plus minutes, though, he probably ends up being one of the best centers on the slate. So I think there's enough volatility here that he becomes a really appealing tournament option. Dame, sort of the same thing. Like, He's not going to grade out as the best point per dollar point guard, but there is plenty of upside for him at his salary. He's sort of like Westbrook to me where not, not like the best individual play, but he just so easily can get the 60 fantasy points that um, I'm not too concerned about the point per dollar. Um, beyond that though, on, on DraftKings, not a lot that I see other than Lillard and Nurkic. Um, on FanDuel, a little bit more favorable pricing as usual, but still think it's, it's basically Nurkic and Lillard standing out. Yeah, and I, McCollum is someone who I, like, try to avoid a lot of times if Lillard's on the court with him. But at 7,800 on DraftKings, I'm not that interested with him. He's never someone who can go out and put 60 points on by himself if he's playing with Lillard. So I like other shooting guard options. And, like, Harden's obviously going to take up one and majority of the lineups. But 
in this game, my lineups are going to be mainly flooded with the Rockets, and I'm assuming you two as well. Yeah, uh, Houston, I fully expect to be my highest on team tonight. On to the final game we go in Phoenix and Sacramento. And this uh, total is uh, coming in at 228. Phoenix is uh, led by Chris Paul and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. That's kind of the big three they have over there. Booker's at all the way at 9,800, if I'm not mistaken, on DraftKings. That's expensive for Booker, in my opinion. Paul's 7,500. DeAndre Ayton, I like that price tag at 8,100. He did uh, face some foul trouble opening night, but I, I'm I'm going to be willing to be over the field today on Aiton. Booker seems a little expensive for me right now, especially that DraftKings price. What's your opinion on the, uh, the Phoenix Big Three and any op- any interest in the secondary options and potentially Cam Johnson or Mikel Bridges? I'm a lot more interested. God, I've said it about like every team, but I'm a lot more interested on FanDuel than DraftKings. Like, <laughs> it, it feels like exposure is going to be spread out a lot on FanDuel and really concentrated on DraftKings because DraftKings mm-hmm. kind of just forces you on to certain plays. It's going to be so hard to get the $9,800 booker on DraftKings. Paul at 7500 is whatever, but still not something I'm excited about. Aiton, I think, looks the best on DraftKings from Phoenix, but even that, you know, he's more expensive than Gobert. He's more expensive than Nurkic. He, he's a good play, but I think if I'm like ranking mid-range centers, he's behind both of those guys since they're cheaper. Whereas on FanDuel, you have Booker in that same price range with Levine, with Donovan Mitchell. Like you said, you know, a lot of your, your shooting guard spot is going to James Harden in a lot of lineups, but, and, and then you have a bunch of other guys um, that are good plays at that other position or other spot, but um, Booker looks good there. Eight and at 7,400 is a really good value. So those two stand out more so on, on FanDuel, but obviously the competition's really tough for, for roster spots. Yeah, as we wrap up the show, uh, make sure to keep uh, tuning in. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. There's an NFL strategy show for today's three games slate. There's a million maker out there. So continue to follow the Osmo program for the rest of the day. Uh, as we talk, uh, flip on over to the King side of things. Tieran Fox also priced up at 8700 Buddy Hill is 7100 at DK. Marvin Bagley, 5700 Seems like a fine GVP option. I don't like what Luke Walton's doing in the center position. I don't feel too confident in picking one of those centers out of Holmes and Whiteside. But on FanDuel, like you said, they're a lot more favorable to be priced, especially Buddy Hilt at 5600 I like that price tag quite a bit at shooting guard. Uh, talk to me about the Kings before we wrap up our uh, the DFS strategy show. Yes, I mean, everybody kind of just looks like secondary plays to me here. Like on DraftKings, I think that all of Bagley, Heald, Fox are – at reasonable price points, but not great ones. Um, FanDuel Buddy Heald looks like a another great shooting guard option. 5,600, so right between um, Devontae Graham and Derek Rose, who we had talked about earlier. The, the one play on DraftKings that stands out to me a little bit, and it, it's unfortunate that he's center only, um, Rashawn Holmes at 4,300. He, ba- he was 4,200 opening night. He had no owners, literally no ownership, um, while everyone rostered Hassan Whiteside. And Holmes ended up only playing uh, 23, I think 23 minutes. Um, but he was in second half uh, foul trouble, it looks like. He picked up three fouls in the third quarter. He played like 13 minutes in the first half. If you're going to get 25 or 26 minutes from Holmes, I think he is a pretty decent value. Um, I'm with you as far as the way that Whiteside was used is concerning. You saw so you saw plenty of minutes where neither of Whiteside or Holmes were on the floor, which doesn't bode well for for Whiteside. But um, I think Holmes in larger field tournaments is an interesting value pivot away from guys like Biombo. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And also keep in mind that Kings game did go to overtime when you're looking at those minutes. So those five minutes will inflate those stats. So make sure to keep that in mind when you guys are reviewing box scores and whatnot. Any final thoughts on this uh, When as we wrap up the strategy show? But for me, it's, I'm just going to be flooding my lineups with Rockets 
and trying to keep an eye on any potential news, uh, especially with COVID. There's going to be a lot of different news and how to handle that is going to be the key to being profitable on the slate. Any final thoughts, Adam? Uh, yeah, Rockets, you know, seem like the key to me as well. I'll also have the deep dive article out. Uh, I'm going to start writing it as soon as the show ends. It'll be coming out um, at some point this afternoon in front of the paywall. So free to view, um, breaking down every game, you know, again, uh, kind of, you know, in, in written form and hopefully with a little bit more news. Yeah, and definitely check that out. You're going to be able to find that at awesomewood.com slash NBA. And also you can find that at ShipMyMoneyDFS on Twitter. If not, if not, That's correct, right? That's the handle? Yep. 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 Uh, make sure to give him a follow. You can follow me at RINPAC. That's R-Y-N-P-A-K. And subscribe to our channel. Uh, and follow us on Twitter at awesome underscore com. Thank you for joining us this Saturday morning. Good luck to you guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.